looking at receiving the kingdom like little children. Uh, we're looking at this journey that Jesus takes uh, in, the, in the build up to uh, him coming to Jerusalem, uh, his taking the Last Supper with his disciples, betrayal, arrest, uh, ultimately his death and resurrection. And during that time, he does a lot of teaching on the kingdom. So that's what uh, the series really is all about. And we're going to be looking at receiving the kingdom like little children. And we're going to be looking at Luke 18. So if you've got your Bibles, um, if you can look at Luke 18, Luke at Luke. uh, And we're just going to look at three verses, 15, 16 and 17. And I'll read them and they'll come up behind me. And they were bringing even their babies to him so that he would touch them. But when the disciples saw it, they began rebuking them. But Jesus called for them, saying, Permit the children to come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it at all. All right. <laughs> it might be a prophecy for Mark and Jody. <laughs> I want to cover three areas. Um, a, a bit of a brief walk through the passage just to pick up some uh, items to clarify. Uh, and then I want to look at two major areas. What is the kingdom of God? And then five attributes of young children. Uh, that will help us to understand what it means to receive the kingdom. So just to walk through the passage, um, that word it mentions babies, they were bringing their babies. Um, It could be anything from an unborn child to an infant. So, you know, it could be that people were coming, ladies were coming, and they wanted to have a prayer of blessing over their unborn child before it was born, and right through to infants. And it's interesting, the disciples' reaction, that, uh, you know, they resisted. Now, it it could be that they were just protecting Jesus, because, you see, in those days, they they didn't have our level of communication, but they they were able to communicate, and by this was coming to the end of Jesus' three years of ministry, and so... You know, Jesus was popular. He was known. And so, you know, word got around. So there would have been, you know, knowledge of Jesus is in town. Jesus is at that house. Let's go and, let's go and you know, go to Jesus. And so it's quite possible there was quite a large crowd. And it was not uncommon for um, children to be taken to a teacher or, or, you know, a rabbi to be prayed for. Um, so it could just be partly that they were wanting to protect Jesus from the crowd. Uh, but partly they were, um, you know, they, they were um, acting out of their culture as well. Uh, because the culture was that men were important and women and children weren't. And so, you know, that, that's what they could possibly have been doing. You know, we see lots of things that the disciples did <laughs> that were, you know, not necessarily very helpful. Uh, and Jesus makes it clear, no, no, that, don't do that. I'm, I'm open to everyone. It's no, there's no hierarchy here. Men, women, children, it's fine. Come on, they're all able to come. 
And, you know, it, it's easy for us. We may not uh, differentiate in the same way, but it, it's easy for us to underestimate children's ability to know Jesus uh, and to have a meaningful relationship with him. Our, you know, our experience uh, as parents, our eldest, uh, when she was four, she gave her life to Jesus. And, you know, she didn't understand the gospel fully. She, you know, she couldn't list the various doctrines of this, that and the other. She was, she was four years old. But it started a meaningful relationship with Jesus. And the Spirit of God came on her. And when she was five and six and seven, she was operating in spiritual gifts. It changed her life. She had a meaningful relationship with Jesus and continues to do so. And it, it, I think it's important we understand that from you know, small to old, we're all able to have a relationship with Jesus. And he welcomes us in the way that he welcomed the children. And with, in that last uh, verse, it says about receiving the kingdom of God. You know, to receive something like that, it's a gift. It's not something you earn. It's not like wages. This is a gift of God. And, you know, children receive gifts quite readily, don't they? Quite openly. They're very happy to receive a gift. And, you know, there's no suspicion. They don't receive it and go, no, okay, what do you, what's behind this? Are you expecting something from me when I take this? You know, I'll have it. Come on, give me the gift. I want it. And, you know, they, they take it without any embarrassment. They could be in a room full of people. One gift to one child. Yeah, come on, this is for me. I'm taking it. You know, they, they don't stand and go, oh, hang on. Is this going to make it look like I'm a bit more important than anyone? Oh, no, no, maybe I shouldn't receive it. You know, where, you ever heard a child say that? No, come on. And, you know, we can be... Uh, a little like that, with gifts. Well, why, why is God doing this? Is it going to make me look, you know, as if I'm better than anybody else? Or maybe I ought to just, you know, dampen down this gift. Maybe I shouldn't reveal it. What are, what are people going to think of me? You know, we receive the kingdom of God like a child. And childs go, yeah, come on, I'll have it. Give it to me. There are just a few things that uh, I wanted just to pick up out of the passage, but I want to look at two things particularly, uh, and that is what is the kingdom of God, uh, and we've only got a short time, uh, and what, what does it mean to receive the kingdom of God like a child? The kingdom of God uh, simply is God's kingship, God's rule, God's sovereignty. You know, we, we don't have very many good examples in our world that we can associate uh, a, a single king in a kingdom. You know, there are various countries where you've got one person in charge, and often we'd use the word dictator because that, it, it gives something of the, how that is run. You know, this person is actually quite selfish and they're keeping things for themselves and they live in a wealthy, lovely palace and their people are in poverty. Uh, and, you know, that's often how we can think of a, a single king in a kingdom. God's not like that. God's kingdom is not like that. God is good. God is good 
all the time. And God is not only good, but he's kind and generous and full of grace and mercy and justice and love. And he's all of those things all the time. You know, you might get a, a young king who's, you know, going for it and wants to, you know, look after his country well. And then, you know, he gets older and a bit more grumpy and, oh, oh I'm going to keep things for myself, you know. God's not like that. He doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And all those attributes are the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. So God's rule and reign and kingship and sovereignty is good. And it's full of love and grace and mercy and justice. And, you know, when we enter this kingdom, when we... uh, make Jesus king of our lives, we receive the blessings of God in this kingdom. I'll pick out three things. We, we receive the blessing of his presence. You know, when, even if you had a good king in a country, you know, they, they may spend a bit of time in their palace or, you know, they might do a bit of glad handing, you know, along the streets, hello, give out alms, you know, and, and, but they're, they're only allowed, you know, if they're in Oxted, they can't be in Crawley. If they're in Birmingham, they can't be in Edinburgh. You know, they can only be in one place at one time. But God gives us his Holy Spirit. He is with us all the time. Even though he's in heaven, he's with you and with me now. And wherever you go, God goes with you. That's his commitment. Isn't that remarkable? God is present with us all the time. And he protects us. He cares for us. He looks after us. You know, I was in Crawley this week and I was driving back home. And I, you know, I have a sort of usual route that I go. And, you know, if the traffic's a bit heavy, then I've got an alternative route that I go that often is a bit clearer. And I was driving along and I was thinking, oh, maybe I'll go that alternative route just, you know, for a bit of a change. And I thought, oh, no, I'll just carry on the way I was going. That's right. And then suddenly there's a... No, no, go the alternative route. And I thought, oh, okay, I'll go go the alternative route. And it was fine, it was clear, I got home all right. I didn't hear of any accidents. I didn't hear of any hold-ups. I didn't hear of any traffic jams. I have no idea why particularly I felt that God lead me in that alternative route. I don't need to know because God's in control. He protects me. You know, maybe sometimes I might hear, oh, it was a big accident or, you know, the traffic was held up. And actually, I don't need to know that. I just need to know that God protects me and looks after me. And God provides. You know, in the the wilderness with the children of Israel, God provided manna every day. You know, they had to go and collect it. It didn't just sort of fall from heaven into their tent. You know, they had to go out, they had to collect it, they had to take it back in and make it, you know. They had to work for it, but God provided for them. You know, God provides for us. You know, you you may have to work for it, but God provides for you. You know, and Liz and I have been married over 40 years. We can look back and say, God has provided for us every day. You know, there are moments when it's a bit lean. You know, it's not always... Mountain top experience. It's not always plenty. 
there are moments of leanness. And in those moments, you think, well, so where's God? What's going on? Why is this so difficult? Why is this so challenging? Why haven't I got any money? Why is it not working out? In that moment, but when you start looking back, you say, oh, actually, yeah, God provided. God worked things out. You don't always see it today in this moment. But when you look back, you say, actually, yeah, God's a provider. And you see he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So what we see in the past, we can expect today and expect in the future. They're the blessings of God as we enter this kingdom. You know, and each one of us who uh, is a believer and has made Jesus king of their lives is a citizen of this kingdom of God. And, and you know, when we're, we gather here, we're all sitting. It's not just like, oh, we're a gathering of like-minded people. But no, there's something tangible that happens when we gather the church together. It's a reflection of what is to come. It's a reflection that there's going to be this gathering one day before the throne of God. It's a reflection that the bride of Christ will one day be united with him. And, you know, we're not just a gathering of individuals, but we're like a statement. We're a statement of faith that the kingdom of God will come. And ultimately, there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And the kingdom of God will be complete. And, it, and we will be there. We will be part of it. And we're standing now as a reflection of that. And this is, in a sense, quite, I think, hard to uh, grasp. But the kingdom of God is active, not passive. Because God's on a mission. You know, I'm, I'm English. I was born in England of English parents. And I can't change that. You know, I, I could go to America. I could become a citizen of America. But it doesn't change the fact that I'm English. I can't change the country of my birth. You know, there are all sorts of different people here. You know, you might be from South Africa or Australia or Belgium or France. You, you know, and it's not only where you come from, but if that's your nationality, you can't do anything about it. You can come here. You can become a citizen of the United Kingdom. But you can't change your country of birth. But you can become a citizen of the kingdom of God. Not just signing up for papers, but you're born again into the kingdom. And suddenly, you're not just a citizen, but you've got a birthright in two places. I, I've got birthright in England. I can claim that as my country of birth. But I've also got birthright in the kingdom of God. Isn't that remarkable? But it's active. So it's not something passive because God's on a mission. You see, how did we find out about this kingdom of God? Well, we found out about it because Jesus came. You see, in the early part of Luke, he said this, I must preach the kingdom of God for I was sent for this purpose. God's on a mission and he sent Jesus to proclaim the good news of the kingdom, to preach the kingdom of God. And then Jesus passed it on. At the end of, of John, he says this, The Father has sent me. 
I also send you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Because he realized we we can't do this mission without his help. We can't do this mission without the power of God. And so he, he breathes the Holy Spirit, just as Jesus received the Holy Spirit at the start of his ministry. The, you know, the Holy Spirit descended like a dove on him. The start of this time of ministry, preaching the kingdom, presenting the mission of God. And we receive it and continue in this mission. It's active. It's not passive. We are completely part of the mission of God. So if that's a snapshot of what the kingdom of God is, then how do we receive it like a child? Well, I've got five things that I want to mention. And they're not necessarily the top five out of however many attributes there are of children. They may not be the best five. They just happen to be the five that I felt God speak to me about uh, when I was preparing. And I trust that they're the ones that you need to hear. So, Firstly, children are inquisitive. You know, young children are into everything, aren't they? And they're into everything constantly. You know, it doesn't stop, you know, from morning to night. They're just into, they're just everywhere, exploring, touching, touching things they shouldn't be touching, but they're just getting on and doing it. You know, when you've got um, crawlers... You know, they crawl on, they don't go, oh, no, I better not, no. oh, chair, that's good, yeah, chair's firm. You know, oh, table, yes, I can pull myself up on a table. No, they'll go for the glass vase. Oh, look, it's fallen over. You know, they, they're just into, they don't care. They're pressing in, they want to know, they want to discover, they want to learn. You know, people, you say that um, people are born, you know, with a silver spoon in their mouth. Well, it's as if these children are born with Rudyard Kipling's poem in their head. You know the poem, Six Honest Serving Men? It starts like this, I keep six honest serving men. They taught me all I knew. Their names are what and why and when and how and where and who. You know, that's what children are like, isn't it? They're asking questions all the time. They want to find out. They're inquisitive. What's happening there? Why is that happening? How does that work? It's, it's what they're doing all the time. Our little grandson, Zach, who's just three, he asked his mum two fabulous questions. The first was, how does my nose stay up? <laughs> Isn't that a great question? You know, he's seen this, he sort of sticks out a bit, and he's thinking, well, well what keeps it up? <laughs> and the other one was, what is sunlight? Wow, that's a tricky one, isn't it? I'm glad he didn't ask me. How inquisitive are we for the kingdom of God? You know, you probably expect me to say this. You know, we need to read the Bible. We need to pray. You know, it's like expected, isn't it? And I'm not knocking that. Please hear me. But why? Why do we read the Bible? Why do we pray? What does it teach us? Are we approaching the Word of God to touch it, to explore it, to discover things, to learn? Or 
Is it more, well, it's just a discipline. And, you know, I, I know that if I do this in the morning, I'm going to have a good day. And that's not how we should approach the word of God. You know, what, what is it that God's going to teach me about the kingdom of God? What new things am I going to discover? Be inquisitive in the word. You know, when you pray, you know, it's hard not to have a list, isn't it? You know, we don't deliberately have a list and we just sort of work down it. But, you know, there are things that are on our minds and there are people that we're concerned about and it just sort of tumbles out, doesn't it? They're the things that are fresh in our minds. You know, but Jesus is looking for a relationship with us. Yes, he wants to hear those things that are on our heart, but he also wants to engage with us. And we do that as we explore in prayer. Let's try something different. You know, go, go for a walk rather than standing in your bedroom. Who knows what might happen? I know that I can be like that. I can approach reading the Bible like that. You know, I just, I know I need to do this. And it, do you know, it's better to do it that way than not do it at all. Definitely. But, you know, there, there are further steps. And I'd love us at some point, maybe it would be an opportunity of a response at the end, for the Spirit just to refresh us in our approach to the Word and to prayer. Children are inquisitive. They're also immature. And yet, yeah, well done, Kevin. Yeah, well spotted. You know, they're not, they're not fully formed. They're still developing physically, emotionally, psychologically. They're learning as they go. They have changing desires. You know, see a train, I want to be a train driver. Blue light tour, I want to be a firefighter. You know, it changes all the time, doesn't it? Oh, in the hospital, I think I'd quite like to be a nurse. Oh, how does this, oh, I'll be an engineer. You know, it, it changes from one thing to another really easily and quickly. You know, they give things a go. Well, let, me, let me try this. Oh, I don't really like that. Oh, I'll try this. And they're easily distracted. Oh, bright lights. Yeah, I'll follow the bright lights. You know, that's how it, that's how it happens, isn't it? You know, they make, they make wrong choices. Oh, look at that. I'll just climb up. on. Oh, it's a fire. It's hot. It burns. You know, they make bad choices. I made a bad choice yesterday. I was, you know, I got one of these beard trimmers, hair trimmers, you know, zip, you know. Set it on two, perfect, you know. I thought I'd do my eyebrows, you know, lovely. Ready for preaching. So, you know, and I got it round the wrong way. So it's not a two, it's a zero. They're gone. <laughs> Hopefully I'll learn. I won't do that again. <laughs> How often do you hear a child complain of being immature? I'm, I'm three years old. What is the matter with me? You know, what is going on in my life? I'm three. For goodness sake, I should be better than this. Why am I messing up so often? It's a growing up process. It takes time. See, our danger is we can associate physical age with spiritual maturity. You see, we're, you may be you know, older, or it could be that you're five years old as a Christian or 10 years old as a Christian or 15 years old as a Christian. And you think, well, I really ought to be showing some maturity. So I'll just sort of show some maturity. I know I'm not. I know I'm immature, but I don't really want to show that because what are people going to think of me? 
And what do we feel when we encounter people who are honest? I say, yeah, no, actually, I'm struggling in this area. And I'm, I, I, I've made some wrong choices. And uh, I accept that, you know, I, I give things a go and I get easily distracted. Well, I don't want them on my team. For goodness sake, they don't turn up. You give them something to do and then you find them off chatting to somebody. I don't, I don't want them on my team. Is that how we respond to people? And you see, it's not an excuse not to mature. I know it's double negative. But, you know, we can, we can say, well, yeah, that's how I am. Take me as I am. You know, I can't change on that one. No, it's how it is. So you just got to take me as I am. I'm not prepared to mature. No, that's it. It's not, it's not an excuse. You see, we're all immature in Christ. We've not made it yet. Hands up, the one who's perfect. Oh, no, hang on. <laughs> no, no we, we haven't made it, have we? So we're all immature in some areas. Let's be open and honest about it and be prepared to change. So children are inquisitive, they're immature, and they're also fun. You see, children are unhappy when they're not happy. Have you noticed that? You know, I, I'm happy, I'm happy, I'm, I'm happy, it's not working. That's how they are, isn't it? You said we're not like that. We're, we're happy sometimes, and we're, we're unhappy sometimes. And in the middle, we're just all right. Hiya, how are you doing? Oh, I'm fine. Yeah, you had a good day? Yeah, not bad. You know, you meet somebody, you say, how are you doing? Oh, I tell you, I am absolutely buzzing. It is brilliant. Wow, it's great. Well, you say, hey, what, what's happened? You know, tell, what, what's going on? Because that's unusual, isn't it? But you, with a child, they're like, oh, it's, it's great. No, it's not great anymore. You know, they're looking for fun. They focus on the things they enjoy. And when they found it, it's repeat. Enjoy, repeat, enjoy. It just goes on until it, they stop enjoying it and then they look for something else. They've got favourite games. They've got favourite books, favourite films. We were up in Leeds with our um, granddaughter uh, last weekend. Well, not just with the granddaughter, with our daughter and son-in-law. and uh, Anna, she's three. And we didn't play many games or didn't have much time for many games. But we played one game, I think, three times. And we played it to her rules. I was like, no, I don't like these rules. We're going to play it like this because it's much more fun. That's how we do things. You know, and, and she's got her favourite books. You know, we, we, I'm sure Liz will remember Naughty Naughty Abigail and The Hungry Caterpillar. You know, it's like they're embedded in my head. We've read them just as we're getting out of it. We won the next one comes along and wants to start reading it and their favourite. And, you know, with this hungry caterpillar book, it's getting more and more worn, and we're thinking, goodness sake, will you fall apart so we can not have to read it again? <laughs> but, you know, the kids, they... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but that's, kids are like that, aren't they? They love their favourite books. You see, Jesus enjoyed himself. He went to a wedding, and the wine ran out. What did he do? He had a bit of fun. He turned water into wine. You know, that's hardly serious, is it? He was having a bit of fun. He invited himself to a meal one day. 
hey, Zacchaeus, come down out of the tree. I'm coming to your house. Let's have a cup of tea together. He wants to go and meet people and have a bit of fun. He went fishing with his friends. He said, come on, let's, let's put, the, put the net out on this side. Whoa, my word, all those fish. You imagine them talking about it. Oh, you know, hey, do you remember that time we went fishing with Jesus? We caught all those. It was amazing. And, you know, Jesus is the son of God. He's come through and he's walked to Jerusalem. He's died on the cross. He's resurrected. What does he do? He finds his friends and has a barbecue on the beach. <laughs> have you not got better things to do as the son of God? No, he says, I want to have a bit of fun with my friends. It's not wrong to enjoy ourselves. You know, I think we can sometimes think, well, fun is over here, and there's the rest of my Christian life over here. You know, and, and I'll, 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 I can only do this occasionally. No, the kingdom of God is full of fun. And you see, the great thing was, when Jesus had fun, he used it as an opportunity to teach about the kingdom. And so we can do that as well. I was in a leaders meeting with Miles this week and he just happened to mention that, I don't know how many is it, 20, 25 clubs and societies in Tatsfield? I mean, how big is Tatsfield? We're probably bigger than Tatsfield here. You know, they've got 20 odd... Sorry. You know... (laughs) But there's lots of things to get involved in. Have a bit of fun. Engage with people and demonstrate the kingdom of God. Children are inquisitive, they're immature, they're fun. They're also dependent. They don't survive alone. They need support, encouragement, provision, nurture. They need guidance, direction, training, boundaries, discipline. There's an African proverb that says it takes a village to raise a child. That doesn't mean they they give their children away to their neighbour to look after. This is what it means. It means that an entire community of people must interact with children for those children to experience and grow in a safe and healthy environment. We don't, we don't survive alone. We weren't meant to survive alone. When, when God made Adam and Eve, it talks about him walking in the cool of the evening. I mean, that's relationship, isn't it? That's, that's what we're destined to have to have relationship, yes, with God. And that's why we need the Holy Spirit, because then God is with us. He he doesn't, it's not like, yeah, I'll come and meet you occasionally. You know, that must have been fabulous for Adam and Eve to walk with God in the cool of the evening. But it was only once a day. We, We get it better than that. We've got the Holy Spirit with us all the time. We also need one another, our brothers and sisters. And not just to say hello occasionally. How are you doing? You all right? Yeah, oh good. Yeah, you all right? Yeah, okay. You know, it's, it's about a relationship. That's why we have life groups. That's why they're called life groups. We're doing life together. We're just enjoying. It's not just enjoying one another's company, but it's engaging with one another, having meaningful relationships, what we were made for. Maybe we should say it takes a church to raise a disciple, because we're all in it together. Inquisitive, immature, fun, dependent children are also teachable. Now, there's some teachers here who may say, come to my school, (laughs) but I'm talking about little children. Children are open to input. 
They soak up information like a sponge. They ask questions because they want to learn. And they're not necessarily discerning about who they ask. Oh, I've got, I got this problem. I'm three years old and I'm not sure what the answer is. Who should I ask? Dad. No, no. Mum. You know, that's not how they do it. It's just like instant, isn't it? It's whoever's next to them. I'll ask this question. Why does that happen? And it doesn't matter who it is. And they don't always learn what we as adults want to teach them. You know, it's a process. They don't always get it right. <clears throat> How teachable are we as, as Christians? Do we ask questions because we know it's the right thing to do? You know, it's a bit like Jesus is always the answer. It doesn't matter what the question is. <clears throat> do we ask questions because we know it's the, that's what we should do? Yeah, that's where we're being mature when we do that. We ask questions. We're not really interested in the answers, no, we just, we just feel like, well, we should ask questions. And that puts me in a good light. And are we only prepared to be taught by those we considered worthy? So I'm in this life group with this bloke, and for goodness sake, it's really hard to get along with. And then I'm supposed to learn from him. No way. There's no, I'm just not listening. I don't, I will go and ask this person over here because I consider him to be worthy, to teach me. It's not like that in the kingdom of God. It may not be easy, but do you know what? God teaches us all sorts of things through all sorts of people. And are we blinkered about what we want to learn? You know, no, I'll keep it like this. Or don't, don't, don't go anywhere else. There's, it's okay. If I keep with it like this, it's all right. It's fine. It's all, yeah, yeah. No, no, oh, no, don't go too like that. All this stuff out here is really tricky and difficult. Out here, it's, 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 I, I, don't, oh, I don't like it. There's things out there to learn and I don't want to. It's, I need to be vulnerable if I go there. No, no, I'll keep blinkered. Keep, keep it tight, keep it tight, keep it in, under control. We need to be teachable and open to what God has for us. It's not always easy. Learning is not easy. Anyone here find learning easy? Oh, it's not, is it? You know, sometimes there are certain things that we, you know, we like learning a language. There are some people who learn a language easier than others. But learning isn't easy. It's hard. It's a slog. Well, it's the same in the kingdom. So if we're to receive the kingdom of God like a child... Let's be inquisitive. Let's accept that we're immature. Let's have fun. Let's be dependent on one another. And let's be open to all that the Holy Spirit would want to teach us. Amen.